right. Welcome, everybody, to the Marvel Cinematic University podcast. I'm going to be one of the hosts for tonight's or today's this one's panel. Uh, We are going to be doing a preview looking ahead at the Marvels. And so we've assembled a beautiful, beautiful little crew. Um, First, I want to say a quick thank you to our super producer, Jake Christie, for hiding in the corner and taking care of us making sure that everything runs smoothly um, while we kind of take the reins here. So real quick, we're going to, I'm going to start with Shivani. Hi, can you say hello and let us know how you're doing? Um, Hello. Well, uh, I am doing okay. I, um, (laughs) I had to think about that for a second, but I'm excited to do this preview it's been a while since i've um done anything with this community so excited to be back and talk in the marvels yeah yes and i can also i can echo the doing okay situation uh it's been a week of dealing with i mean this is somewhat timely a bunch of like mediocre mediocre white men doing a mediocre job at their jobs and then having to take over for them so you know just having to do that whole women labor situation all over again, <laughs> all the time. Yay, women. Um, the Yay. Extra, <laughs> the extra labor tax. Yes. Having to do like, a, actually, this document says, duh, 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 duh. oh, wow. Yeah, that is a discrepancy. Mm-hmm. Quite. Anyway. Shoo, how are you yeah. doing? Welcome. Good. Yeah, thanks for having me, you guys. Um, so I was telling Shivani that I'm a TV writer. I am not super familiar with the Marvel universe, but I have seen a bunch of this stuff. And I think it, but, uh, what really does interest me is how women are portrayed and, um, what are the stories we're telling and how to untangle the stories of patriarchy, uh, Mm -hmm. within this, our stories. And, and actually I, I just realized I went to the same school as Iron Man. So, uh, <laughs> so am I, does that mean I'm part of the Marvel universe? Okay. We, we're, yeah, we're on the same alum com- committees, you know. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah. it's the multiverse. We're all part of the exactly. whole thing and everyone's part of the entire thing. So we can't. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So, yeah. It's, it, yeah. It's, um, yeah. And I've been watching a lot of, Marvel since in the last couple of weeks and it's very interesting. I have a lot of thoughts. <laughs> That's so good. I so yeah. really quickly, Shivani, you met Shu recently. Can you guys tell a little bit about how you met real quick before we jump in? Yeah, so I met Shu at the beginning of October uh, 2023, um, this year at the Working Family Parties convention where we were both um, there as representatives and the founding members of the Artist Council for the Working Family Party. Um, If you are not familiar with the Working Family Party, they are what are deemed the Labor Party of America right now. So um, they are not considered a third party. They actually work along party lines and they swing more to Democrats and they endorse Democrats. So um, they listen to people who are in labor movements. They are uh, majority backed by unions. And then because this year and what this year was for artists, specifically within Mm -hmm. Hollywood, 
um, for TV and film and um, writers from the writer's strike to the actors and SAG strike, right? Um, they listened to the voices coming from those picket lines. And Shu is actually one of the captains from Philadelphia. So one of the strike captains. So yay, Shu, for all the the, hard work. (laughs) From the Writers Guild, yes. And also SAG is still on strike. So Mm -hmm. hopefully they'll get a good deal soon. And that is one of the issues we have coming up with this premiere is because we are, there's still a huge part of Hollywood that is still on strike. Yeah. Yeah, and that's something I definitely I have been thinking about so much going into this one. And it's hard. It's I don't know to think, especially too about how this is. If I'm correct, like I mean, I think Captain Marvel was the first female-led MCU movie, but this is like a team, like a all women. And so that's also really disappointing that we're not going to hear from that's right, you know, <laughs> like uh, Kamala Khan or Iman Vellani and Tayana Paris and all those other. Incredible yeah, that they can't, yeah, it feels like they can't put the full support of the cast behind it, right? It's such a shame that they can't market it like they should market it. Yeah, and um, this is getting a little, I guess, off script. But like one of the things I'm kind of nervous about too is that with films, you end up, you need to do so much like all the marketing and the contextualizing. And so with this film, especially with the history of all yeah. of the backlash, like the really, really sexist and I'm, especially concerned with this one, a lot of racist backlash, so many people are going to be consuming it sort of contextless. And Mm. it makes me curious about how like the general public is able to engage with it just purely on its own. Like how much are people going to be thinking about the strikes and the issues that we've had with women's rights, like abortion rights and all of these things recently, Mm. all of these kind of political events are very much framing this movie but I don't know if people are going to go into it kind of thinking about that or not right yeah yeah well even further like we can even say the current conflict in the Middle East might shape how one character now in this movie is Mm -hmm. even seen yeah and um you know that's something that I don't think anyone had insight into and Mm -hmm. then we're also where, you know, this movie, despite it not having context, has way more backlash. Like, this is a preview yeah. podcast. <laughs> and there's more <laughs> coverage for backlash for a movie who has has yet to premiere. And it's a really interesting thing. Um, yes. And it's carrying with it the backlash of uh, all of these characters, you know, individual properties kind of with it. So it's just accumulated all this. So Yes. Anyway, that's why we're here to try to, I don't know, I guess rally, do the whole she's got help situation. I'm forever a po- an apologist for the girl power scene in Endgame. So come at me if you will. <laughs> I know it's problematic. But <laughs> here we are. So um, the plan that I'd had for tonight. So ideally, we're trying to get an idea of where what we're stepping into with this movie. So where all the characters are at, what have been kind of their arcs leading up into this point. What are the questions we're looking at seeing being answered in this film? What are the kinds of things we can expect? So I'm just going to start with the first character here that I think who we saw the most recently um, was Nick Fury. So thoughts on Nick Fury? Last time we saw him was in Secret Invasion, which was pretty unilaterally disliked. Um, So again, kind of hard to agree that so yeah yeah any uh 
I also really think it's interesting that like Nick Fury is also our most recent character and I kind of completely forget because they're really <laughs> framing this as the women's movie and mm-hmm. like despite mm. Nick Fury being like such a pivotal character in this and what will happen with secret invasions right so um it's very interesting how or how bad um I mean the secret wars and and so like how bad secret invasion was Mm -hmm. um but also goes back into labor secret invasion was kind of really bad because of uh visual effects though too that we um saw the visual effects team um Mm -hmm. at marvel ended up unionizing because of Mm. the shows (laughs) it i think was one of the first times that i saw the the visual effects I like it pulled me out of the the show and I'm I'm usually pretty forgiving but by the end I was like what is that that's a disaster so yeah shoo any thoughts well I actually didn't realize that uh secret invasion was one of the things I had to kind of see but so this is so I'm just pulling up the, the like one star- so no I'm yeah just pull- you're you're you don't need to just- okay so yeah and like <laughs> I'm just like pulling up the one star reviews on Google. Uh, (laughs) And I think it's like the problem with this is it's probably echoed out with like some of the it's echoes the some of the problems with the other series in terms like story development and character development. Right. Mm -hmm. It's like a lot of what I thought when I watched some of like I watched Miss Marvel and and I thought one of one of the things that I really miss about Miss Marvel was like an interiority of her character. Yeah. Um, and same thing with Captain Marvel too. Is like, mm-hmm. I don't know who she is. She's just running from uh, plot A to plot B to plot C mm-hmm. in universe A A through Z. And to me, that's not something I can connect to on a visceral level. Yeah. And I and I feel like, and I like a lot of these are like, there's too much story in these. There, it gets a little confusing, and it's it's like you don't follow these characters in a way that you can identify them and I think that is kind of like a major criticism of what's mm-hmm. been coming out lately um, yeah and it, it has it is definitely overstuffed. sorry go on and I think um that's why maybe some of these characters especially when they're not white men it's just harder for the audience to identify with because we don't see something that's universal about them that everyone can identify with, you know, like, like, oh, their shame or their fear or something like that, you know? Yeah. And with, with him, I think what they were really riding on was kind of a return to that character. Cause Nick Fury, I think largely people really enjoyed him and he was mm-hmm. operating super, like as the glue of the MCU for a long time, and then kind of, you know, post end game with the over influx of, so many projects he just didn't show up as much because i don't know sam jackson was like super expensive to get on for a gazillion different things so um so he was here and i think they were kind of writing on people's just like oh well we're just you know here for the ride sort of a thing and as a show in and of itself it was a mess on so many levels it was it was this is a, a critique i heard someone make of another movie but i think it stands here it had the feeling of it 
was it didn't feel like it was really saying anything but whatever it was saying it was saying it loudly like it just kind of was like <laughs> a big mess of something that is opaque right. so kind of yeah. to bridge both of your points it was like making Nick Fury this character that really we didn't see any emotional depth from mm, in exactly. like the first yeah. couple of phases all of a sudden have feelings and we're supposed to right. be able to relate to them right yeah. and how do you because most of these people like these in the audience and fans like Nick Fury because of the action part to it all. So all of a sudden insert feelings and like less action to a character. You're going to have a bunch of audience members start being like, I don't like this character anymore, or I don't want to watch this character anymore. Right. So we'll see what happens. Cause now it's Nick Fury with a bunch of women right and it's not gonna be i you know most audience members aren't gonna be like oh nick fury is the reason that this is bad it's actually gonna be all the women make being you know next to nick fury not that great so we'll see (laughs) yes yeah and i think especially with the context of the last uh relationship with the woman that we saw he had uh in secret innovation are we kind of gonna be like what's going on also what i still so many questions about why is he on the ship we saw at the end of secret Invasion, he got up on that ship and we're just like i don't understand what's going on now he's there hanging out with monica rambeau who we'll go talk about here in a second there's just kind of like it just kind of felt like it was it was a major filler episode but it was a filler very expensive filler series instead so Anyway, we probably don't need to carry on with the secret invasion slander, but that's where we are with Nick Fury, I guess. Um, So, but yeah, so moving on then to Monica. So we last saw, she was, you know, introduced in WandaVision, last last seen in WandaVision. So almost, almost three years ago now was the last time that we got any engagement with her. So the... First, well, the first time we saw her was as a child in Captain Marvel, and I always forget that, which is going to be one of the big thing questions coming into this movie is what's the relationship um, between the two of them. So any kind of thoughts on where we need to be going with her? I think, I mean, I'm super excited to see Monica again. I'm really excited for Monica, especially because when we did see her in WandaVision, she was kind of just a pacemaker for the story. She was a side character that kept Mm -hmm. the plot line going because you had so much going on in terms of emotional capacity and um, story and character development going on with, Mm -hmm. you know, Wanda. Um, Here comes Monica. So like, do we get to see Monica in a bigger role or is she still a side character? Yeah, this? she was she was like the best friend, right? That kind of um what I thought about her was like she was very much enabling like Wanda's bad behavior because hmm. she was so empathetic, right? Oh um, sure. Yeah, because she yeah. she always kind of like stood up for Wanda um in a way that I thought was like she shouldn't have. <laughs> See, I think that's a really interesting point because I, I mean, I, my, my, I've complicated feelings about how Wanda has been written in the MCU and how her story's gone, has been played mm-hmm. out in the MCU. But ultimately, I, I do, 
so, like kind of I have a soft spot for her partially because I think that she's been written poorly, but then also like I don't know. Our feelings make us do weird things, but all, not even just feelings, but trauma and trauma responds in different ways. And so I know that that's kind of like, was it the core of that? Show? Yeah, I do. Yeah. But I, I also question like, is using trauma as an excuse for destruction, something that white people always do, right? Mm-hmm. Like to justify the bad things they do, like using, weaponizing their victimization, right? Um, right. Which is, I, I think is something that's very relevant today even. Um, yeah. and, and, um, um, and to me, it's like, can we tell another story that just because you are hurting, that doesn't justify you hurting other people? Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see how Monica comes into play as a yeah. character on her own now though, too, <laughs> especially with you know, she, technically she isn't the main character, right? It is right. still Carol Danvers to some mm-hmm. extent. Um, yeah. And, you know, there's so much, there's so much that we need to, this movie I'm hoping defines for Monica Rambeau, right? Mm. And like, that also goes into like her powers. Like, are we yes. going to actually see who she is slated to be in terms of like in the MCU universe? Because, um, you know, the rumor mill, the, you know, Marvel rumor mill um, is is saying that there's a possibility like that uh, it might not be Photon that we thought it was. So um, what are people saying? <laughs> what else are people saying? I don't really listen. I've been to seeing that. that people are saying that there's a possibility that uh, she be may be Spectrum, which is interesting. Um so can you explain it, a little bit of the difference between the two? Because I don't know. From my understanding of the comics, and it's been quite a while, is that they're two very different characters. So um, oh, I think um, Spectrum is is related more to like the mutant side, which we can get into oh. later. Because, but um, we'll see what happens there. Because the one thing we really haven't talked about yet is that this movie also has like changed since like 2019 multiple times and like what it is and (laughs) so even just monica's character could have changed and it'll be interesting to see this premiere how it's received and then what we get to learn about after the fact though too in terms of like changes (laughs) yeah that's really helpful to know about the because it does seem like they probably are going to be leaning towards the mutant side of things again with with Kamala Khan, who, you know, would also be kind of touching on today. So I do, mm, I do wonder about that. And I also, one of the things that I do think is really that we're, a lot of people are going to be thinking about going into it too, is her relationship with Carol. And that's, I unfortunately think that ends up defining too much of her character is her relationship with Carol. And I think that ideally, and I think that that's the same for Kamala too, is that so much of their characters are defined by a relationship or non-relationship with or to Carol. And so I'm wondering with Monica, like obviously they're going to address that, but I'm wondering if it's going to be resolved um, or if we're, if they're just going to kind of be like, yeah, it was super shitty. We're going to be dealing with this for a while. 
let's team up for this thing. And then I'm still going to be mad at you for a bit. Like, I'm wondering if we're actually going to get a full resolution here. Um, mm. And what, because I don't know if I, I was thinking about it today. I was like, I don't know if I want them to be like a full buddy buddy by the, <laughs> by the end. I don't know. And it kind of goes back to she's mm. point about Monica. Ultimately, again, labor, doing a lot of labor for these other characters and white characters typically uh, mm-hmm. to advance their plot points and to do to kind of serve in that support role for them. I am, I wonder, I don't know, I'm a little part of me is like, stay a little mad for a little longer. You've deserved <laughs> it. <laughs> right. It's like, doesn't her feelings and Monica's feelings and grief matter, right? Mm-hmm. Like, and I think, yeah, and I think the same thing with WandaVision is just like, it doesn't seem like Monica's feelings were only secondary to Wanda's, right? That entire townspeople's feelings were secondary to this one white woman. Um, And um, I don't know if Marvel is at the place where they're ready to address making, to address like accountability for their superheroes. Like, can they just do whatever they want because they feel sad? Because I kind of saw that as like a common theme. It's like, oh, if you're angry, you can just lash out as mm. a, um, like I saw Kamran did that at the end of Miss Marvel. They're like, don't tell him his mom is yeah. dead because, because, if he d- <laughs> because if he knows, he'll kill everyone. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, and, and it's just like, can we start questioning that? It's like, and I feel like sometimes, like, if I found out my mom is dead, I'm not going to kill everyone. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, that, that, like, there are other responses in the universe, you know? <laughs> I don't know. There are some things that if I was told it, I would maybe want to kill everyone. There's all, but there's you wouldn't a do it. Mark there. No, no, no. Exactly. <laughs> I think there is that difference, right? Between right. wanting to and like doing it and then using that want, desire to justify you doing something. Mm-hmm. Fair. Yeah. I also think that's a really good transition point into talking to about Kamala Khan, like, and mm. and who this character will be in this movie. Because yeah. in Miss Marvel, we see more of a preteen type um, storyline, right? And right. now we're getting uh, this juxtaposition of this character amongst adults that have complicated feelings and so do we see this character grow and have the ability to have more pointed feelings though too right? and have more accountability for what they are taking on as a superhero too mm-hmm. so um it'll be interesting to see um what happens now and like um cecilia you brought up she's a mutant and she's that's where they're leaning right and yeah um <laughs> Yeah, and I, so Miss Marvel, I know that, like, she's very, very, that whole series was extremely beloved, or at least from what I can tell. Now, she, you mm-hmm. said that there was some backlash. I probably missed it then. On my feed, I saw a lot more of just, like, people outpouring, like, huge outpours of love for her. So, uh-huh. so what I do is I always go to, like, the Google reviews, and uh-huh. then... So I always go to the Google reviews and I'll just look at the distribution of the votes. 
And what it is, it's always like a bunch of five stars and a bunch of one stars. Right. right? Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> and everything. You love it or you hate it. And that's what's yeah. And I, about. yeah. And I think there was like some backlash about like how everything's like so woke. Right. Or there's like, <laughs> <laughs> what a boring complaint. <laughs> yeah. And I, and part of it, I don't know. And, in. And the, my thing with Miss Marvel is like, I didn't really understand who she was in the series, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I didn't understand what made her tick, right? I I could I could understand like, like especially if you watch the um, the pilot, like her main obstacle was that she couldn't pass her driving test, and that her parents wouldn't allow her to go to the the marble con right but i don't know what breaks her heart i like like i I know not going breaks her heart but i don't understand why like why is she so obsessed with marvel is it because like she doesn't feel like she fits in and then why doesn't she feel like she fits in you know a lot of those things i feel like just wasn't explored to a depth where i felt like i knew who she was like why does she love miss marvel's captain marvel so much is it because she feels like she wants to be extraordinary because she feels so not so ordinary, you know? Um, yeah. Or so, like, why does she she fail her driver's test? Is because she's always so hard on herself? Like these things are are things I kind of wanted to know. Like because as a story writer, when you see just exterior plots happening, it feels like oh, it's just the writer putting in things versus the writer actually exploring who she is. Sure. So, yeah, and that is an interesting perspective. I will say, so because I work in, I could say, cultural studies, which sounds mm-hmm. super fancy. So I come from a very different position. So, like, mm-hmm. I have this sort of, like, philosophy of art that um, doesn't always mesh with people kind of behind the scenes or who do, especially people, mm-hmm. like, within the academy, people who do media studies. But to me... I am really interested in the text as it is. And so like you kind of take it, it's almost like it just, it's in the world and now it's an existential fact of what it is. Like, yeah. And I am so interested in how it can be read and it can be interpreted. And so when it gets into her questions of identifying with Carol, the fact that it's ambivalent and ambiguous, I think is actually a really poignant remark on uh teenage identity formation generally it's yeah that's such like a, an open time I could not tell you why I liked the things I liked then and I can maybe come up with like a reason for it now but a lot right. of it is just kind of this like unhinged affection or desire that's just kind of like exploding into the world and so I thought that that part of her was captured really well in the yes. series like, I don't think that she could articulate to you. I think it's just the fact that it's it's there and that right. gives her the chance now, now that she's going to actually be interacting with Carol and it's going to have some of the back and forth that might be part of her maturing, you know, starting to yeah. grow up through adolescence is to begin to be like, okay, now I'm starting to gain the faculties I need in order to be self-reflective and ask those why questions. So... I am like, I I don't know. I'm kind of a fan of when 
texts, whether they're intentionally ambiguous or ambivalent or not, I kind of like it to be open Mm -hmm. because I think it invites readers or viewers, audiences, fans to begin to create kind of their own experience and reading of the thing. And it, it, I, I, I don't know. I really like that part of her. No, I I think, I think that's, I think that's interesting that she likes her, but if you think about it in terms of like developing a show, right. Mm -hmm. Um, If you don't have the shadow side of her, like the things she's ashamed about, the things she's afraid of, like it's hard to have longevity of a character, right, through many seasons. Because the whole point is like, you want these things, but there's something inside of you that keeps you from getting them, right? So like, if you don't have that mm-hmm. shadow side of yourself, you're just like a fangirl, you know? You become more one-dimensional as a character. And I feel like they left out the 3D part of Kamala in Miss Marvel in a way that I felt was kind of like a missed opportunity, you know? Um, So I wonder too, it's like in this movie, how can we bring her to be more than just a fangirl? Like what, what is her journey? Because your journey is, yes, your journey is to fight the bad guy. Whoops. Yes, your journey is to fight the bad guy, but your journey is also like to fat, uh, in order to overcome the bad guy, to overcome like the bad guy in yourself, right? <laughs> like the, the negative voices inside yourself. And, and I hope maybe here we have some of that. Like, is, does she like Carol because she doesn't feel like she's good enough, right? Like something like that, that's like very like simplistic. Um, does she feel like she's just not, and I, and I got a little bit of that, but it wasn't to the point where like, oh, um, it's because she always felt so othered or, you know, um, it's because she, she's such a klutz that she can't pass her test, you know, that she, she's so much of a, you know, bumbling person that she can't even pass her, uh, driver's test. And to me, um, I think because that foundation wasn't really laid in her original show, that's why maybe you didn't get a second season, right? Because when you don't have that engine, it's hard to carry it for multiple seasons of a TV show because that's what drives, it's like a character confronting their shadow over and over again is what drives a show, right? If you think about that's what makes a really good main character. Um, And I hope in this movie, like, we'll see her dealing with, you know, her own personal flaws. I think that would be really interesting or her own personal fears. Yeah. Yeah. Which I think is very possible, right? Because yeah. I think also in terms of casting, um, Kamala has the most uh, side characters or um, ensemble characters surrounding her coming into this movie, right? Mm-hmm. With her family being a large part of it. Um so we'll see maybe possibility that growth that you and also maybe that ambivalence that you're both like kind of talking about too. So mm-hmm. and it, maybe a large part of this movie and hopefully to some extent not is that she is just going to see Carol Danvers as a mirror and that's how the type of character mm. development that we will get. Um, so maybe but, she'll struggle with her powers a little bit and then... Yeah, and she definitely, she is, so there's something to the bangle too. That is the the thing that's entangling their power. Or it seems like that is the object that's causing their powers mm. to get all entangled with each other. Um, 
So I did a quick Google search to make sure that <laughs> I had the name because I don't know who these new characters are. Um, so it looks like Dar Ben is going to be, who Zaw Ashton is playing, um, is going to be, I think that she's the villain, or at least she looks like the villain from uh, the trailers. And from what I can tell, it looks like she's got the other bangle. And so oh. it's, I am really interested to see what they're doing with that. I do find it interesting that they did, um, they definitely ethnicized that object. And to mm. see this sort of like um, Middle Eastern artifact be the thing that's causing, that's kind of forcing this female, all women coalition to form essentially is this really interesting move to I don't know I mean it's definitely there's all obviously the read that is very appropriate or orientalist and it also kind of speaks to this like general impulse in western culture for like the past you know 20-30 years who are really really into you know obsessed with eastern cultures the whole eat pray love situation everybody's into meditation and yoga and all of that Mm -hmm. And to see that being the thing that seems to be what is causing them to come together, I don't know. I am always kind of like, I I always look for like a a reparative read of a thing, but I can see how that is a little, uh, it can be a bit dicey. So Totally. And I also think that um, that was one of the criticisms that like die hard comic book fans are talking about is that Miss mm-hmm. Marvel's powers were to, were switched um, that into this bangle. Right. So. Mm-hmm. Um, Wait, what was her powers so weird? originally? Sorry to interrupt. But what no, was- no, no. So, so because she has a mutant background, oh. um, she had her powers just as an individual not because of an actual artifact um and then they switched it to an artifact for the show Um, so so comics the original comics she was an inhuman so it was like marvel's response so when when the mutants were bought or x-men was bought by fox or whatever and there's this whole like blah 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 rights thing the marvel comics response to it was to make the inhumans which was like another version of the mutants and she was one of the first iterations of that the original author whose name i forget really was attached to kamala being um (coughs) being a, a mutant but that was scrapped her original powers though were like this the stretching, morphing, shape shifting sort of power. So she kind of was able to oh. morph her body into things. She had these stretchy powers, which I, I don't know if this is actually the reason that they changed it, um, but it it looks similar to Reed Richards' uh, mm. powers. I think that that was one. Of, I can't remember if that was one of the reasons they cited, but they ultimately they changed it all together. They changed her powers all together. So now she's got like these light powers, and it it looks like it was to kind of intersect with Monica's and Captain Marvel's powers. So that mm. way they can have kind of like thing. And as a plot device, like it kind of. I can understand it. I I do think that the conceit of this film being that their their powers are entangled around this 
sort of object is interesting. But a lot of the frustration around changing her powers in the first place was because it allowed for a really interesting reflection on her relationship with Carol Danvers or her obsession with Carol Danvers because she has this whole run, like this whole, you know, issue where she does change into Carol Danvers. And so she changes from this, you know, young brown Muslim girl into this blonde white woman who is her kind of like hero and has this moment of being able to misidentify, disidentify with herself and with that character and with that person. That's so interesting. So it's a really interesting thing. I am real. I'm still, I know that the backlash to changing her powers was, Mm. is incredibly vibe, like very, very vitriolic. Yeah. Okay. Yes. And for good reasons, I am hopeful Mm. that it seems like they might be able to do something really interesting with them in this movie and still allow for that moment of figuring out identification like the process of identification because her identity she's a teenager it's always in flux identity is made up anyway it's always self-fashioned but whatever that's a whole other conversation for mm-hmm. probably a different I don't know space but I do think that uh that that this will still be introduced and I'm excited to see oh I see so yeah, yeah it kind of changes her whole character by changing her whole power it does yeah it does and there's okay. a lot to be said yeah so- to to think of like instead of because instead of it like being like her desire to be different people it's now just like a little object right that she can carry around so it kind of dehumanizes her a little bit in that sense um instead of and I, i don't know if i'm like um quite putting this into the right words it feels like it minimized how her power is connected to who she is as, as a person. And it's no longer connected to that. It's, yeah. it's literally outside of her. And it's, it's in kind of this like misappropriated symbol that's through the Western Orientalist gaze, right? That's yeah. It's like a bangle, right? Right. I, and I think that's very interesting. Um, and, I, and I think that goes to the whole commercialization and like surfacation, like just putting things at a surface level versus going deeper into the story of a character. That's, I feel like that's very uh, true to what Marva has been doing a lot in, you know, a lot of their projects. Um, yeah. And yeah. And I hope it, it, they do something with it. You know? <laughs> yes. I think that then that gets us to Carol Danvers who, um, yes arguably is at the center of this whole thing, although it does seem right. like they tried, worked really hard to make that not be the case. It's hard not to, because she's the only one who's been like in a movie so far or um, mm. a movie at, like, you know, played by the actor who's going to be here now. Monica was in the first one, you know, child Monica. Um, but yeah, so Carol, uh, I guess there, so the last... The last time we saw her was, you know, she showed up in the middle of uh, Kamala's bedroom or Kamala's, sorry, Kamala's bedroom. And she, from their like entangled powers, right. Uh, And that seems to be in this movie. But I think that the most significant recent uh, appearance that we've had from her was actually, she's in the post-credits scene of Shang-Chi 
with Bruce Banner and mm. Wong and Shang-Chi and mm. Aquafina's character who I don't know why she was there and I don't <laughs> I don't remember who's to say. Um but she was there too. Uh real mm. real fun time. But yeah, so <laughs> she showed up as like holographic version and then just ducked out. And they were looking at the rings, the ten rings, and they're like, this seems to be like this homing blah, 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 this oh, whole thing. So I am wonder do you think I feel like there's lots of conspiracy theory or conspiracy theories, lots of theories around that. So um yeah, Siobhan, do you have any thoughts on that? I really don't actually. I'm really <laughs> curious to see where they go with that, because I honestly it threw me for a loop too. And I I I feel like at some point Marvel was like we need to put more emphasis on Carol and make her more likable mm. to the audiences. Right. But I don't know if they were just like, let's throw everything at this character and see what <laughs> sticks. Or if they yeah. were like, we're going to actually show you how important Carol Danvers is. Because Carol Danvers as a character in the comics is quite important. But mm. I don't know if in the cinematic university people want to see her that much so we shall see <laughs> i mean to be honest the captain marvel is like whenever i i do rewatches it's the one that it's one of the movies that i'm less excited to watch cuz i think that and i think jake made this point too when they did the original podcast on it and a few times since that the amnesia storyline that they do with her is not compelling at all it kind of ends up like flattening her quite a bit mm. and her response to it is just like I don't remember things and now I'm starting to kind of and then I'm gonna duck out like I just can't quite figure out what her deal is and she she just she seems like you know she's able to get away with things because she's you know OP'd or whatever but I it's a tough she's a tough character to bond with unfortunately yeah no I agree that's I think that goes back to like what is the universal thing that we can latch onto with her, right? Um, they tell her, like, she's too emotional, but we don't really see her wrestling with her emotions the way, um, you know, like, if if her problem, like, just from, like, a, writing a character point, uh, point of view, if her problem is that she's too emotional, she at first would try to, like, clamp down on her emotions and try to, like, fit in with no emotions. And then she realizes that doesn't work. It, you know, it hits her back in the face. And then she had to wrestle with like how to deal with her emotions in order to fit into this world, right? And that's mm -hmm. how like the character would come full circle. But we don't see that in Captain Marvel, right? Mm -hmm. We just see just like so much facts, again, which is like very cerebral, but it's like not something I can connect to on like a visceral level, right? Um, and that's why I felt like people... Totally don't yeah. really like her even though brie larson acted the shit out of that role she's such a good actor <laughs> yeah. um which, is, which i also think they just were like we need to give audiences a woman now yeah and <laughs> academy is it academy award winner brie larson yes yeah on her name um <laughs> how if if she can't add depth to this character then wasn't he ever meant to be more um, right. or was it ever given the opportunity to be more 
right. then, you know, but that like kind of leads us into these like big plot questions, right? That we're going into for this movie. Right. Um, what are the like thematic questions? What are, what are we getting with the villain? Things like that. Um, mm, anyone want to take it away? I have no idea what's going on with the villains. Like, <laughs> I, they said, you know, in one of the recent TV spots and, you know, AC is not here and AC would be the one who would be like in this TV spot and that TV spot da, 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 over in like doing all the indexing of things. I can't, I don't, that's not, I don't have that kind of recall. Um, but in some, one of the recent ones, they made this comment about how she is attacking every world they call home or something like that, mm. which is a really interesting concept. Like there, there's, there's this idea of home that this movie is kind of engaging with, it seems, for all for these, you know, three characters who are incredibly displaced in several different ways. So Carol is displaced by, you know, having amnesia and is just kind of, I don't know, universe hopping, trying to like save one, one planet to the next. Monica is displaced like temporally because she was blipped. She came back, everything was different. She's just like, all right, I'm just gonna do this next thing then. And then um Kamala seems to be, it's sort of this question of like, you know, immigrant family, sort of a displacement situation. So all of these characters are very displaced, it appears. And then there's this question of home. So I am really interested to see what those homes are and the significance they have to these characters. Oh, also, I would say that Monica also kind of represents the like military displacement, you know, no. military family mm-hmm. aspect as well, right? Because that Monica is our military um, representation in this movie, yeah. I believe. So, yes. um, very interesting intersection there too. Yeah. Um, but you know, it's also really interesting that the movie with the women is also the movie that we're going to define what home is because mm-hmm. um i would have i would say that you could have easily done that also with probably like end game and whatnot right because you're protecting home and def- you could define that but um yeah i don't know i i'm not really sure if um the displacement story even hits well with um, most audiences because mm. it's also a very specific story to to who is intersecting in the audience, right? So, mm. <laughs> well, and it does. I do think that the ideas of a home or a homeness, because it seems like you know maybe whether or not they have like serious connections to physical places is is one thing, but then the kind of affective or emotional state of homeness or the feeling state that a home creates is something that's going to be explored a little more the only other place i think recently in a marvel movie and this is technically sony that i think could possibly engage with that was across the spider verse and that was like definitely a home and family thing um and kind of pushing back on to Shu's point earlier about trauma, whether or not you actually need to have like a serious traumatic event in order to like be a good person or a hero and overcome things and do good things, you know, or like whether that has to be canon. Uh, so yeah, and the fact, I mean, Shiv, you make a good point about the fact that it is this woman-led uh, 
movie that seems to be kind of bringing up those questions. I think it's really like, interesting. Uh, it's interesting in the sense of like, is home more of like where there is a role where there's a woman to care for you in some mm. sense. Um, and I think that you can look at some of these characters as like women who are kind of these people that are to, to actually go to towards shoes and your point, Cecilia, you know, even just Monica, she was caring for Wanda the most. Right. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. um, uh, we, we can see that. And, yeah. um, I don't know, but then that also leads to the question of like, who's the villain in this? I mean, and... I don't know. I wonder <laughs> what, is there a scenario where Marvel really names the villain as the one who displaced these people, right? Mm. Like, is it the empire building people mm. who are, that is the actual villain, right? Um, I, I think there was like a little bit of a missed opportunity in Miss Marvel of like, not making like some British in- empire entity as the villain versus mm. <laughs> versus right. just like random, like what are they called? Like shadow newer people or um, oh, yeah, Najima. Yeah. And, and I, and, and it's like, to me that rings more true as the villain, right? Like, mm-hmm. and I, um, because at the end of the day, it would make, I think a better movie if they're all joining together to battle this bigger thing that has mm-hmm. caused like harm to all of them. Um, mm-hmm. and, I, and I, and there was a little bit of that in Captain Marvel, which I actually really enjoyed is how like the, the scrolls, is that what they're called? Yeah. yeah the we scrolls are, we like, we thought they were the villain, but they were actually the dis- displaced people. And, right. and it's, it's yeah and it's actually the people doing the displacing that they're actually yeah. fighting right yeah yeah and, and the think- question there of empire is super interesting because it makes me wonder if like she got all in carol got all integrated with the the kree for so long realized that that was like right you know one of the big bads and then was just like all right i'm gonna do my own thing i can't trust any of you motherfuckers to do it so i'm just gonna take care of this myself yeah i'm just gonna Ooh. hop around clean up some fires so in that way, I very much uh, can empathize with her. And there's that whole yeah. shot of her, like in her Crocs, like her rainbow Crocs, playing the laser with the uh, with Goose. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, she got big um, I feel like more people are excited about Goose than they are right. like the actual characters <laughs> of this movie, which is kind of scary in some sense. Yeah. But um, we if we're talking about like new characters though too also right. we gotta oh, talk about park sejun in oh this movie yay okay <laughs> drama representation meets uh marvel um very exciting it's yeah. the possible love interest is what we're hearing for carol danvers um <laughs> which does Carol Danvers need a love interest is my question, but I will take some Park Sojin any right. day, <laughs> except for that wig that I keep seeing him wear because he has fantastic hair without a wig. I Marvel, I don't know what we're doing there because he is a beautiful, wig. beautiful man. The wig is messed up. 
Yeah, and it's like, <laughs> is the only way to make Captain Marvel relatable is by making her somebody's girlfriend, right? Like, is is that the only lens? Like, we can only understand women through lens of the patriarchy. <laughs> right. Because, ugh, it's so frustrating because on the one hand, like, I am personally a big sucker for a romantic story. Me too. Oh my God, I would love it. Marvel <laughs> sucks at it. Like, famously sucks at it. And so I would, I'm like, would really love to see it. And Brie Larson can play a romantic lead, yes. like, well. And so I would like yeah. to see that. I just need it. I would like to see it make sense. I would also, also, the pictures of her with him in that, dress that she has on that dress is horrible like or maybe it's just me the dress looks so stupid i hate no it. it she she doesn't match him well and it's also disappointing to see this character of an international actor who has tons of fame and claim yeah, right. also be matched up against her and probably not have the best i don't know it doesn't look like good chemistry from one still like what i'm <laughs> curious to see what it is an actual, you know, film, but I don't know. But it's just the cursed wig and the cursed dress that's bringing bringing that still down. And maybe maybe that's actually this incredible. Yeah, and I feel like <laughs> yeah, and I feel like Hollywood has has a really tough time writing Asian men as leads. Yes. You know, they're yes. usually like made much more effeminate. Or um, there's something just like there's something usually like very fetishistic and oriental and orientalistic whenever they do appear on screen. 100%. So, so I'm like a little nervous, especially seeing the wig. And it's just like, oh, I hope he's like a good character. I <laughs> well, know. Which, I was just going to say, which is really interesting because he is also known for playing some of the most like um, iconic characters mm-hmm. in uh, Korean cinema and mm-hmm. um, television. So for that to not translate over to Marvel <laughs> will be really interesting. Yeah. Um, and yes. hopefully it does, though. Fingers crossed. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I, I wonder if like, like a Steve Yoon, like Walking Dead moment where they didn't <laughs> think they could do it. But then like, <laughs> he's so when good. That he- Walking Dead. I was like, oh. That was a good one. But no, I wonder then too, because we've been so concerned about how this movie is going to be received. I wonder if he does change it. Like he's kind of bringing with him a whole other audience that maybe Marvel, I don't know what Marvel's success, you know, with like many international, especially like Korean audiences are, or people who are like big fans of Korean cinema and art generally. Like what is his, is he going to bring that into it i don't know how that might change like the audience makeup and well because like the most recent marvel thing that you could really put side by side in terms of that type of thing is the eternals right and the eternals mm. wasn't well received despite being honestly a beautifully created piece of media um but so it'll be interesting to see let's use this actor to pull in different audiences and see how it what happens yeah um <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I hope that, like, it, it seems like he has enough charisma to, like, pull something in. So yeah. I think, yeah. I, and that's the thing. It's, like, a lot of these stars are, like, like Tony Leung. Like, they're su- such superstars yeah. in themselves that, like, you can give them anything and he'll just, like, people will just glue themselves to the screen, right? Like, he can yes. read the back of his cereal box and be like, I'm there. Yeah. Um, so- <laughs> Yeah. So, you know, thank God. Yeah, like thank God like he is such a big star that, you know, at least 
there I, I have some faith in that <laughs> yeah well now I'll have to go find some of his works before and go see what else he's been in but I'm also like really excited to see maybe if he's got like good scenes with um Iman Vellani, who's also just a real so like star power mm-hmm. force just like explodes charisma so mm-hmm. I don't know maybe that'll shake shake things yeah. up a little bit so because like carol's <laughs> been so so serious for so long i'm like right. i do hope that i don't know what i'm allowed to say on the on the main <laughs> feed so i'm not gonna say it but <laughs> i do hope she's getting digged down at least a little bit <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I would like to see an Asian man dicking someone down on the <laughs> right? Has that happened yet? That didn't happen in Shang-Chi, right? That's that was like the big thing, right? He like he didn't have a love interest. Right. I know. Yeah. Well, yeah. He I do mm, I do love Simu Liu. Like he's also one of, of those course. people that's got enough charisma to like Yeah. He, I just, he's so charming. He's so yeah. charming. And I do yeah. think eventually he'll probably get one and it'll be I don't know. I'm kind of down for the slow burn with him. Hoping for that one. <laughs> That'd be good. But my only, my only other, my only other thing, I guess we've kind of been thinking about it all throughout, but I'm, I am really interested in the fact that like, we do also need to really, really hammer home that, that this is like a mixed race team of women. Right. And this mm. kind of like harkens back to, at least to me, as far as like within feminist history, it harkens back a lot to like some of those 70s coalitions that mm. a lot of like the Barbara Smiths were were leading charge on and Sherry Moragas and Gloria Anzaldúa's like 70s, 80s, 90s feminist coalition movements that were often like, you know, mm. there's huge critique to be lodged against white feminism and white women feminism but especially in like the 70s and 80s and 90s there was a ton of women all working together and really pushing each other often on what it looks like to be a feminist and how to include you know be be a more inclusive feminism and to attend to matters of race and class and uh all of that stuff and so i am excited to see it just just for that basic representation right. so I don't know yes. if y'all I mean we else. have to start somewhere right yeah. Like, we- <laughs> indeed yeah no I'm really excited for it I really do hope that it doesn't get to a talking point though of like oh this is Marvel's version of like DEI or like <laughs> diversity <laughs> Um, because that's a stupid point to make, and and it's a stupid point if we're really growing the um, you know, the cinematic universe and introducing all these new characters. At some point, it will just become diverse because right. you live in a diverse world, and right. that's how characters interact. Like, and I think that it's like actually unfair to the characters and to the actors to just automatically be like, well, because it's Disney, Disney, it's just you know corporate DEI. Like, it's that this dis- diversity is just an institutional thing that's just there for capitalism, corporate greed. Which is like, there is that to it as well. But I'm also like, you cannot negate the fact that like this does mean something. It's still it's still quite significant, and so I'm like. Trying to figure out, you know, there's ways to look at it to problematize it, but then other ways to look at it where, like, well, 
I mean, this is this is a huge representation thing. I think, yeah. I think, like, what I hope is just, like, I hope this is what they won't do is just, like, um, they're going to put this movie out. There's going to be a back, bunch of backlash. Instead of, like, taking some of the critiques and maybe, like, make the characters more well-rounded, they're just going to be like, oh, because there's backlash, we're not going to do this anymore, right? right. We're going to tell less diverse stories. And and I feel like that's actually happening a lot in Hollywood mm-hmm. is be- because the, the ground level story wasn't good enough. They're not going to tell any more or they're going to tell less diverse stories because of backlash. Mm-hmm. And I wish like they would take if there's going to be criticism, they would take it and be like, okay, let me figure out what I can do better to make this more palatable, to make this more universal, and then come up with another version that's better and more diverse. And mm-hmm. I hope that's what this movie and what the executives and people in the studios would do and look at whatever criticism they would get, you know, yeah. versus just yeah. shutting it down. Which I think Marvel does need to do because Phase yeah. 5 hasn't been good and it hasn't been received well. And if we're just going to get, you know, and I do think that this movie a little bit is being set up to be the fall guy for a lot of Phase 5 fall um, failing. <laughs> um, and that's not okay either. So yeah. instead, and, you know, I'll, you've both touched on it. Like if we're not doing this press tour, we're also hurting yeah. Because we're not giving this this film the opportunity to actually be the good film out of phase five. Instead, we're just saying, all right, these are all the things the from diversity to women to, mm-hmm. you know, um, plot lines of bringing in all these different characters, not instead of just focusing on one character is going to be the fault. And that's not fair in right. any way. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah. And I and I part of it is just like. Um, we need to develop more writers who can write mm. characters of different colors and genders with the full roundedness of, let's say, an Iron Man or a Spider Man. Right? Mm-hmm. We need to to have. We need to really invest in that. You know, mm-hmm. and and it just can't be like, oh, Miss Marvel didn't work out. We're not gonna do these stories anymore. We need to like. Um, really give people like the decade or so working in TV and to, to keep developing these stories. Um, and I, and I hope like that's what we should be looking forward to. And, and Shivani, I'm sure you're doing this. And that's one of your hopes too, as a person of color, <laughs> developing stories that like <laughs> your goal Trying. is yeah, to develop uh, stories that is that fulfills all the DI requirements, but also make them so human that anyone can identify with them. Um, yeah. yeah, it's the and- it's the question of taking the the very very idiosyncratic and personal and making it universal. That's the exactly yeah. Um, and, and you know, actually, uh, because now I have the Disney login, I, I took a a quick peek at um like a more American born Chinese. Uh, oh, I don't know. Yeah. yeah, and I thought that, I and like actually about it, but I don't know. I've heard some good things, but I haven't heard much. Yeah, I mean, like it, it's very interesting because as a comparison to Miss Marvel, it deals with very similar themes. It's about mm-hmm. a kid in the same age in an immigrant from an immigrant family, and 
you just see the difference like in american born chinese you see like oh he's feels like he's not good enough he feels he's really uncool partly mm-hmm. because of his chinese family um and but it's and you see like the villain of uh the community who doesn't accept him in a way yeah. uh yeah, and you see that on a larger level of like the racism that's perpetuated um, in society, and just the microaggressions that that really play out. And then you see um, another Chinese character where it doesn't really bother him, and in in that way, you it, it's not about him being Chinese; it's about his own personal shame that he has to yeah. deal with. And in that way, I felt that was so universal, and and. I felt that made the character so compelling. And, um, and, you know, and like the thing is the writer of that show, he was on a, he was on Bob's Burgers for 10 years to have, and I feel like we need to kind of invest in writers of color because Mm -hmm. it takes a while, even as a writer myself, it takes a while to start really writing stories that are not through the white supremacist gaze, because a lot of the way, I mean, just me speaking for myself, I felt like for a long time, a lot of the ways I view myself and my own stories is through the white gaze, right? Mm-hmm. Um, because that's very hard to, because you see yourself as like, oh, as the stereotype or like my problems are because of my Chinese family versus like, oh, mm-hmm. actually it's my own relationship to shame and who I am. Mm-hmm. That's the actual thing I should be looking at. Um, versus like, oh, Miss Marvel, she just has a really strict family and that's her main problem. Um. <laughs> yeah, and I think that they do a good job in the show to dispel that pretty quickly. Like you can just yeah, tell I that's all based, very based in 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 love. And so, and those, those sorts of idiosyncratic things I think are really interesting. Um, yeah. My, yeah, my family is is Cuban, and so there's I there's also those very specific questions of like you know oh my gosh what is you know my identity and there's this right, idea yeah. of guilt and real, and so there's these very specific things you know unique to different intersections that you can pull out um, and and really zoom out and I think that there is the potential for that to happen here. I'm hoping that we are going to get some very idiosyncratic stories because these characters are all coming from pretty different radically different Mm -hmm. projects and they're coming together so I'm really interested to see how they'll how they'll come together so yeah and the the director is a very well-respected black director yeah Nia DaCosta I'm completely spaced that we didn't talk about her but just really quickly like Nia DaCosta um Mm -hmm. wrote and directed uh can is it Candyman that I believe and um which was, if you haven't seen it, it is actually very good and you should watch it. But okay. um, Nia DaCosta also is coming between a lot of backlash right now. And mm. be, um, with Shu and I both working in film and television, I really got to quickly address this for anyone who's, because I keep seeing these articles coming out um, that Nia DaCosta left this film in post-production and that maybe that's why this film wouldn't be good. But it is mm. very common practice to be mm. in a completely different set, um, studio, a completely different country, different state, working on mm. post-production and working mm. on a totally different film. And to uh, have, you know, the Marvels have this negative talking point that Nia DaCosta did post-production somewhere else while also working on another film 
that is very common practice. There are mm-hmm. multiple directors that work on multiple projects at the same time and um, that work on post-production somewhere else while they're filming something else. And we've also seen it in Marvel. Um, I believe Joss Whedon did it with the Avengers. Um, yeah, um, Steve, uh, Jake is giving me the note that Steven Spielberg <laughs> made the entire movie The Post while Ready Player One was in post-production. So this negative criticism mm-hmm. that is coming towards this movie because of Nia Costa doing this is not fair. And you do have to bring up the point that this is a Black woman directing mm-hmm. and would, if it was a white man, um, mm. would that be the same thing that you would be bringing up? Or is it like, let's just throw this woman under the bus because we can and she will take the fall for this movie. And that is not fair. Yeah, and broken <laughs> into part of the bad, the bad backlash about the movie itself. Like there's all these, they just feel, they're all so enmeshed in each other. All these critiques that are being lodged or... Yeah, that's thank you for dispelling that for us. We need those, you know, behind the scenes. Right. <laughs> for, for all of us regular old consumers of um, products. <laughs> no, so. yeah. And but you know, overall, I do just want to end on a positive note. There's yeah. clearly a lot of different things that are coming out about this movie. And um, but I am genuinely excited to watch this. Um mm-hmm. I think that in this current moment and what the world is right now, we need something that makes us feel a little bit good. And that's what media can do and what media exists for, right? To not necessarily to entertain us, but also to help us just like disassociate a little bit. Sometimes we need to disassociate a little bit. And um, I'm excited to watch this movie, you know? So I hope Mm -hmm. others do have that excitement. I do think it's also a film that you can take your whole family and like, which used to be Marvel all the time and enjoy all of these characters and a little bit of fun. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I don't know. I have a little, a little girl who kind of associates all superhero movies as boy movies um and so the little my version you know little cecilia is like let's go we like we love the superhero movies so i'm looking forward to having having that moment together and yeah any final thoughts from you Shu? and i think at the end of the day it is no matter how uncomplete it is it is still a movie about girl power these are Mm -hmm. great characters um the actors are amazing so Mm -hmm. i i have faith that they'll at least add something to it so Mm -hmm. um so it'll be and i'm sure it'll be visually stunning and yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna go see it (laughs) i'm gonna have i'm gonna have a good time i can also tell there's gonna be lots of laughs and i think that laughs are a good thing to have right now. Um, so I guess we will wrap up there on our on our happy notes. Um, before we sign off, um, Shu, where can we find you and your work on socials, etc.? Um, I'm pretty dark on socials. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I... <laughs> what's your personal? Don't find me. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, as a writer. To me, it's just me writing my best script, my best idea, and I hope it comes into fruition. And I think Mm. for me, like, the best way to support me is to, you know, um, really get to know, like, 
people that are different from you because I want to write characters that um, don't exist so much in Hollywood, you know? So I think if people are just really open to different people and find out about who they are, and I think that would be the best thing to help my career. Yes. Well, we might be able to see you with the working family parties. That's true. Yes. The artist council. So we might be able to see your work there. You can... IMDB shoe if you really yes. want to. <laughs> um, um, I do run the Philly. I do run the Philly WGA Twitter handle. So oh. if you want to follow our labor movement in Philadelphia, uh, you can they- follow Philly WGA. Will do. And you, Shiv. Um, you can find me on social everywhere at Shivani Banfall. <laughs> Um, right now I am doing my thing as a human rights, um, Mm. activist and organizer. So if you follow me and it's not Marvel, I'm just going to let you know that. But, um, (laughs) you know, if you're looking to, to find an intersection of both human rights stories and, um, nerd fandoms, that's, I'm the best person for you. (laughs) She She is, you guys, anyone who's not following Shiv is missing out. Um, and you can follow <laughs> me on socials anywhere um, at Cecilia M. Stokes or Cecilia M. Stokes one. And that's C-E-C-E-L-I-A-M Stokes. Um, and then also definitely continue supporting this podcast. That was so wonderful for them to reach out and ask us to do this. Thanks to, to Jake, your super producer, Jake Christie and AC for, for inviting us. You should support them with by subscribing to the Patreon. This Patreon is fantastic and it's $3 a month for, you know, opening level. And that's how Shivani and I have been able to meet each other and talk. And as another little plug in the next uh, couple of weeks or so, I will be doing a podcast uh, probably on the Patreon for Latino Latinx, Latine, Spider-Man fans as part of research for a project I'm conducting mm-hmm. in the fan fan world. And frankly, I am just a Latina who loves Spider-Man. I'm trying to turn it into research so I can get funding. So great, exciting things. We love that. We love supporting. Join the Discord if you want to Join find more like-minded individuals that are listening to the pod as well as interacting. It's an amazing community. And um, they are pivoting to YouTube as well. So if you have yet to um, subscribe and like their YouTubes, please go to the MC University YouTube and check them out because we love video here, right? So go to the YouTube. We are in the visual age, guys. The visual era. So, um, well, for Shivani... For Shu, for myself, thank you for listening. Catch y'all next time. <laughs> <laughs>